Welcome to Through the Keyhole, home of the Association of Laparoscopic Surgeons of Great Britain and Ireland podcasts, putting innovation, technology and training at the heart of modern surgery. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Tan Arulampalam. I am a colorectal surgeon and currently honorary treasurer to the Association of Laparoscopic Surgeons of Great Britain and Ireland. So it will be my pleasure to take you through a series of podcasts. We will hopefully enhance the surgical training and professional development of not just our senior colleagues, but also particularly of our trainees. So everyone is welcome, really. I hope to explore some difficult topics. I'll revisit some of those old chestnuts, the common problems that we face every day. We'll also have a consultant corner bringing in our trainees to look at those difficult situations during our training. And I really want to focus on the careers of some of our surgical colleagues and chat to them about how they have navigated the slings and arrows of a busy surgical career. So hopefully it will be interesting, entertaining and a lot of fun. Okay, um, I'm with Suviraj John today in uh, lovely Guwahati. Uh, hi, Suviraj. Um, hi. So just tell us a little bit about you. Where do you, you work in Delhi? Yes. I'm a dedicated minimal access surgeon at Sir Gangaram Hospital. Uh, there's an institute called the Institute of Minimal Access Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery. And we have five surgeons and we have our key areas of interest. Uh, mine is colorectal surgery. So I pretty much do all the colorectal work that comes to our team. Now, I'm also the academic coordinator in that capacity. I'm responsible for the academic and professional training of our fellows who come to us. We're already surgeons who spend two years or more with us. And uh, it's a privilege, but also a responsibility. An extension of this is I've involved the IGS, and also on my own, I do uh, proctoring and mentoring for surgeons across India we're interested in basic and advanced, more so now in advanced, especially colorectal and bariatric and hernia surgery. The model we adapt is a combination of didactic as well as practical training. It's like a mini post-residency PG so, experience. I think, you know, a, a lot of training, certainly when you and I trained, was, was very much technical. How much, how important do you think in, in 2020 2021 is is the the non-technical side of things you mentioned mentorship which is very interesting yeah i think um i use the word anubuti it's a it's a hindi translation of cognition yeah so i understand that's about 75 percent of the surgical activity is cognition yeah where i often when i'm um, supervising my residents when they're operating yeah i keep irritating them with the question i'm asking them what are you thinking next yeah uh, rather than what are you going to do next? Okay, so we, what's in your mind right now? If you have a difficult gallbladder, uh, how are you going to sort yourself out if the, you, know, you can't create a critical view of safety? Yeah. Uh, what's next in your mind? I'm more interested in that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, my mantra is uh, I say decisions are more important than incisions. And, and, and human nature is just to try and do stuff, isn't it? So, um, so that's a really, really interesting. So we're, we're on the same level. That's, that's, that's great. So... Do you do anything formally for mentoring or do you, do you 
pick up people and train them and mentor them as they come through the system? Yeah, we are fortunate we are under the National Board of Examinations, which uh, outside the Medical Council of India is probably the largest uh, body training post-graduate uh, post students as well as postdoc fellows in super-speciality uh, training. Now, in this, when uh, fellows come to us, they go through a national entrance examination by merit. We tend to get the top three or four candidates coming to us, right. and that is mainly because we give them hands-on. So, the, the hands-on, tell me how you do the hands-on, because one of our big problems is training the trainers. And, and you know, it's for me, it's devastating. Uh, you know, when I was a trainer, or when I was a trainee, sorry, it was devastating when the when the boss took over the hand the the, the handles and and you know you just felt terrible. So, what is your approach to that? Yeah, it's pretty much the same experience. I remember there was a resident when I had to interrupt him and take over. He said, "Sir, this is the fourth time you're interrupting me." <laughs> uh, I get that pain, uh, but here is the bottom line: is we cannot compromise patient safety. So we've given this uh, sort of mandate to them. Uh, as long as you've got the skill. We'll allow you to, to carry on and along with the cognitive ability. But anywhere we feel you're compromising the procedure or you're at a standstill, you're not progressing, we'll take over. Well, yeah, so that's, sorry that's to... That's the basic uh, approach. But we select out now, when a resident comes to us for two years, a fellow comes to us for two years, the first three months we spend observing them. And from the third to sixth month, we start giving them parts of the laparoscopic or minimal access procedures, like entry or exit and closure of wound or maybe let's say the gallbladder out of the fossa. Most of these surgeons have already experienced in basic laparoscopic surgery. Some of them are far more capable technically. So in the second half of the fellowship, that's the second year, we actually start giving them sometimes skin-to-skin, -skin, yeah. basic to advanced procedures, and so, even bariatric procedures. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, that um, concept of doing the step, steps of the operation. In fact, I run a... Uh, laparoscopic foundation course we call it the steps course I do it with J&J &J. but also I, I think one of the things I found very useful is in the we do a briefing beforehand the huddle uh, but I then do a huddle with my trainee and uh, we just go through the operation and we we mentally do a cognitive rehearsal of the operation and when, I, when we do that, we say, okay, if you get to this stage and this happens, then you know, this is where we'll bail out. Or we'll, we'll, we'll demarcate the rules of who does what when beforehand. And I've seen this happen in, on the flight deck. I think when the, the pilots do their pre-flight briefing, they do, they do something very similar. So I, I always... I, developed our human factors courses with with a great bunch of people uh, Debbie Gooch Catherine Brosnan Sean McDonald Jeremy Stanton they're all really fantastic colleagues at Colchester and the most important person uh, in the group actually was a 747 pilot called Fig Phil Higton and Phil Higton talks about the think do complex so he, he says you can't uh, dual task so he says, somebody's got to be thinking and somebody's got to be doing. And he says, the, the plane is always safer when the first officer is, is flying it because the first officer is doing and the captain is thinking. So in my hands, I like to think that when the registrar is operating, I've, I've got the, the wider vision. Yeah, I think that, that's I think perfectly put. Now, how do we do it? In India, being a vast country, 
and we get um, students, fellow students from different parts of the country. It's very heterogeneous, uh, their psychological makeup. So we actually, the first third, three to six months, we spend time getting to know them. Uh, we often have to charge people and say, now you're the surgeon, you're in command, you're the leader, you've got to not only, you know, um, do your stuff, you've got to, you know, I shouldn't say dominate, but, um, you know, you have to be the leader there and ensure that the staff, your assistant, everybody's following you. So it's a team concept, a leadership uh, responsibility there that they also have to learn. And, uh, you know, some people are born with a sense of being in charge and taking charge. Not everybody is. And so you have to often add on this psychological skill making also. Often one of my slides is don't get bullied by the anesthetist or some or the staff nurse will be twice your age in the operation theater trying to push the next case in. Mm. You will say, I put my foot down and mm. say, I will not compromise this case. I'm going to take my time, hold your fort and get it down the best way. So in our unit, well, there are so many people training in minimal access surgery. We're distinctive in the fact that we say, even if you're doing a simple gallbladder or TP, you're doing the damn best way possible on the planet. Yeah. So that we take pride in that. And our residents tell us when they get out into the marketplace, that that's one thing they picked up. The way they did a lap colostectomy many years ago is very different from the way they do it now. So there's so many different uh, aspects to this. So we, we, our conversation has really gone down the technical, non-technical route, a little bit of um, human factors and mentoring. You've, you've mentioned some things that attributes that the trainers should have. And, and of course, LAPCO, the laparoscopic colorectal um, training program in the UK, has got a training the trainers program with with the six steps of uh, how you should uh, uh, address an operative training session, um, really looking at feedback. So, uh, so this this podcast that hopefully we're is is developing and we're doing is really aimed at trainees to see how they can get the best out of their trainer. And you've you've talked about mentorship and you said something that's really important. You've got to get to know your trainee. And I think that's the coffee that you have with them and you sit down and you get to find, you find out about the person. Yeah. And what unfortunately we have found with our working time directives and the, the destruction of the team-based um, delivery of healthcare, we found that that relationship has been broken. And that has severely hindered how we can train our, our, our people. So you talked about leadership. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's, what, are you, what are your key features of, of a good leader in the OR, perhaps in life? Uh, you know, can, can, you, can, you, can you distill it down? I, I've put you on the spot. I might... right, thank you. This is a difficult <laughs> one, but I think it's, it's, it's an imperative one. I think I'm, be- I'm a better car driver now after I've become now a mature minimal access surgeon um, you know um, the other day my son was telling you know me why don't you take the car at a high speed across this curb so my answer now is different from what it was 10 years ago I said look you know I'd love to do that but I have to see whether I can pay the cost of a mishap uh, both in terms of loss of pay loss of health uh, maybe even life can I uh, can I afford that cost? You know, so, so 
it's coming down to costs of different sorts. So you're, you're constantly processing and decision making all the time. So, so that's that's very interesting. I now have belts and braces approach, and uh, as, you, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more and more concerned and wide as a surgeon. In the past, I used to even wing it as a surgeon for major procedures. And, you know, thank God we've got away with it. The more I'm getting older, I'm getting more and more aware that how easily things can go wrong. And we try to do our best to learn from other people's mistakes. So um, I'm becoming more and more cautious. So the first thing, can I go on? Yeah, please do. Please so do. the first thing, uh, as a team leader, I think uh, it's going to come down to your sense of integrity. And that so is an often difficult one. That's really interesting, isn't it? That's a human trait. That's not yeah. a surgical trait. It's almost it? metaphysical, right? Yeah. And um, so I think for each of us, we have our... Uh, you know, go to places for it. For me, it's my faith uh, in God, and I think that's going to be my—I <laughs> mean, out of the box support. So, so it's really interesting. So, we, we're doing some stuff with the Human Performance Institute. Uh, it's a J and J company, and and they have a triangle. And in terms of bringing your best self to work, uh, it's not so much about leadership, but but about self care. Um, you've got to be the best physical shape you can be. You've got to be the best mental state, so your cognitive processes have to be straight. And you have to have the best emotional state. Um, So, you know, if if things are going on in the background in your life, it's it's quite difficult to then focus and bring your best self to the art. And the the tip of the pyramid is, is actually your spiritual self. Because why are you doing the job that you're doing? So, so bundling this up and and actually focusing on performance is a really fascinating uh, aspect of surgical training that, that we don't we don't really look at because you know it's devastating for you or me if we have an, an, an anastomotic leak you know um, yeah. it's even more devastating I think for the trainees who not only feel the guilt but they feel that they've let us down. And they feel in some way hampered to, to progress. Uh, I think there's a hierarchy here uh, in our human uh, you know, self. I remember there's a story where, this is a very prominent thoracic surgeon based out of the US, Robert Sefoli, I think he's in Alabama. And the story goes that he was actually operating and a uh, major procedure and uh, he was informed that his wife, his wife had passed away. And uh, yeah. Yeah. he actually completed the procedure didn't yeah. stop, didn't interrupt things. And, uh, you know, that shows a lot of strength. And I envy that sort of, um, you know, capacity to do things. And I think as you get older, I think we need to we take time and spend out and get that time out uh, for the yeah. self. And I think, like you put it very nicely, uh, there's even now randomized controlled evidence for this. If you exercise well before a procedure, your uh, skill set actually improves a lot during a minimal access uh, you know, procedure. Yes, if you had uh, slept well the previous evening, uh, you do very well, and the same thing goes for pilots. And in, fact, in fact, they're often tested uh, these days in yeah. case of a mishap. They, they're sleeping and the drinking records on call well, to uh, report. And uh, we, we, We're not there yet, but um, uh, you know, pi- pilots can self-declare not fit to fly. Uh, when they come in, you know, if, if, they're, if they're not right. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, the, the problem is, um, as Mark Slack, the uh, uh, 
gynecologist and and leader of CMR Robotics mm-hmm. says, right. we don't our patients um, we lose our patients one by one. We don't lose jumbo jet loads, and and that's a, I think an important aspect of our training. So. Uh, We've gone through some, some fascinating topics. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? Well, I think um, we need to get together more. And I think, as you have hinted, the non-technical aspects need to be looked upon. Yeah. And also some very common sense issues, I think, um, in surgery and also in healthcare. Um, the way uh, healthcare costs, I think this is my concern. Yeah. All this wonderful training, all this wonderful academics and research, which is very hard to do often, um, becomes meaningless in the future if you're not able to support it. So I think students need to get involved also in becoming uh, public figures and articulating the need to prevent a lot of these. Of course, you can't prevent all the problems, like no traffic accidents or let's say even colorectal cancer. But we can stop the way it's escalating. So I think, and you know, uh, we can do a better job, catch it early for those whom we can. So I think you're, you know, one of the tenets of leadership you, you said is um, integrity. I would, uh, I would say this, what, you're just, what you've just described is an extension of, of that integrity involved in you know, your, your social responsibility as a physician, as a, as a clinician. Um, interestingly, going back to the leadership, it's, um, I think trust is really important. Huge. In, in the OR. Huge. And some good news from India, actually, and from other countries like Malaysia, where now communication as a subject has been introduced into the undergraduate curriculum. In fact, Malaysia has taken the lead in introducing three subjects, I believe. One is uh, communication, another is entrepreneurship. Yeah. And the third, I can't remember which one it, what it is, but they've introduced these three subjects, uh, which, which is much more real-time. And this one thing we've learned uh, from NASA, uh, again introduced by one of our previous chairmen, uh, communicate, 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 with patients especially. And also, he gave us a rather a stiff charge saying, there's no, failure for, there's no room for failure. Yeah. Which is, again, what uh, one of the NASA flight directors said before the Apollo missions. Uh, Yes, there will be failure, uh, but I think our response to it will characterize and determine how we are as people and surgeons. So, so yeah. um, that's going to be the, I think, the new challenge. You know. It's very interesting looking at other other uh, disciplines, other other walks of life. We can. There's a lot for us as as medics to learn. Yeah. It's interesting your Malaysia uh, um, observation. Uh, we're, I'm part of the newest medical school in the UK, Anglia Ruskin uh, University. And what uh, um, John Kinnear and um, Ruth Jackson um, uh, have introduced um, into the medical school curriculum is communication has always been part of it, but they've I- introduced human factors. Uh, which I very much want to get involved in and, and I am involved in. So human factors, this is situation awareness, communication, uh, risk management, uh, looking at all the evidence, um, which is, I think, a very important part of being a, a clinician. Uh, and and um, so they haven't introduced the other block that you mentioned is entrepreneurship. It's innovation. 
So the surgeon innovator, the, the medical innovator, is, uh, or the doctorpreneur, is a really, really important part of human health. Because we can't, we haven't yet found the Uber of healthcare, of how we square the, the massively rising costs, the challenges of uh, global poverty, which, which are being addressed, but, but there comes other challenges, di diabetes, obesity, dealing with lifestyle issues such as um, cheap calories, alcohol, uh, tobacco. Um, so there, there are many, many, many challenges which we need smart um, solutions to. I, I, I do tell my kids, uh, don't work harder, work smarter. And, and that's what we have to get the doctorpreneurs to produce yeah. for us. Maybe the last thing, and I don't yeah. is I think, finally, at the end of the day, you have to enjoy what you do. Yeah. Because if you, you do, if you love and enjoy something, you do it to its best. Mm. Uh, because this is effort and cognition intensive, mm. our field. And it's very high stakes. Yeah. And uh, as altruistic as it is, there's only one outcome that is socially acceptable. That mm. you have to succeed every time. It's almost um, godlike expectations. Yeah. And to get it done, I think our ability to handle stress. Uh, Duke University has a very interesting practice now. Yeah. All the residents and surgeons, I believe, every year have an opt-out strategy of going for a psychiatric review. Mm. And um, that's very interesting. In fact, their head of general and bariatric surgery is actually a surgeon from India who actually trained as a psychiatric for, psychiatrist first or a psychologist. And uh, that comes through the way he speaks and I think in the way he's actually governing this because um, burnout is an issue that's drawing more and more attention. I know people who have gone through that and so all sorts of relationship issues that have come up both in personal and public space and people are struggling with often doesn't get talked about and uh, I think it's time we start talking about it. I, I have a friend in Australia who they have something called a loud shirt Friday. Yeah where they dress up very color, colorfully to raise awareness about depression and suicide among physicians. Yeah. So um, this is very timely because this weekend I just uh, uh, published an article with uh, one of my FY1s, Rishi uh, Galea, right. on burnout, which is in the bulletin of the uh, College of Surgeons of England. Wow, let's go with that. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a copy. but uh, So that's just an editorial, a commentary article, yeah. but we've, we're, we've had an, a systematic review accepted uh, on some of the factors associated with burnout. So I think this is the number one issue in terms of performance. So there's, there's the coaching side of it, but there's also this, the, the, the pyramid that I mentioned uh, about how we um, protect the physician and make sure that we can actually have a sustainable career. So in, in the UK, the statistics are shocking. We have one successful suicide in a doctor every three weeks. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very emotive subject and, and that's the tip of the iceberg, that's the, that's the catastrophe, um, but we have significant amounts of substance abuse. Um, it, the interesting thing about burnout is there's an association with increased patient safety problems, mm -hmm. but um, if you look at it in detail, it tends to be that doctors you know, who, who are suffering burnout tend to report more of these issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, I don't think they, they end up being more dangerous doctors. 
But you know, if, if you have a, a doctor who has a serious incident, the proportion that come back to work is is uh, shockingly low. So I agree with you. That that's a that's another conversation. So, Sivaraj, um, I'm going to. I've had a lovely time talking to you. Um, I've enjoyed the tea from Assam uh, that we're having together, and uh, hopefully we can do many more of these chats. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for joining through the keyhole. You will find more interesting podcasts in this series, as well as online resources from the ALS GBI at www.alsgbi.org.